Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are. Well, hey, Flip Your Lid audience. So today I'm hanging out with Jason Clark and part of why he's here is because I really like his voice. His physical voice is amazing, (laughs) but he takes that amazing voice and he turns it into words and he's a writer and he's a pastor and he is just a man uh, for God and, and from God, but it's in a loving way and the way I think it's meant to be. And so I'm excited to have him. So Jason Clark, welcome to Flip Your Lid. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to hear. So you've written like four books, right? Yeah, under my own name. Under yeah. your own name. You've written a lot of books for prisoners yeah. or somebody who can't write their own books, right? Right. For- <laughs> right, whatever. <laughs> Uh, right for anyone, yeah. No, yeah. I, I do. I, yeah, I do ghostwriting, and uh, lately I've been working with athletes. But I help. I do a lot of memoir. That's kind of the style okay. I write. All right, I like that. So we got surrendered and untamed. Yeah. One of your books, prone yeah. to love. Prone to love. Yeah. God is in control, but in parentheses, not God is not in control. <laughs> yeah, that scariest thing about that book is the title. Yeah, which I love. That's what draws me in. Yeah. And then leaving and finding Jesus. So it looks like leaving Jesus. And again, in parentheses, you love the parentheses. It says leaving and finding Jesus. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm working on right now. So right. it's not out yet, but we're, we're real close. Yeah. Well, part of why I asked you to be here is, one, I'm anti-literacy. I don't read a whole lot. If I do read, it's neuro-nerd. It's really it's stuff that no one else reads. And, um, but I listen to you on your podcast because you're also a co-host with Derek Turner of rethinking God in tacos. Yeah. Rethinking God with tacos. We had you on. Yes. 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 And that's my favorites. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that's when I fell in love with you and I fell out of love with Derek a little bit. We won't won't talk about that. But no, I think Derek Turner is an amazing, amazing man. But I listened to y'all's podcast recently of you talking about your upcoming book, Leaving and Finding Jesus. Loved what was on there was so much meat on that bone of what you talked about it was so good that i instantly went and pre-ordered your book and honestly it says a lot i just would rather not be any smarter than i am i just would rather (laughs) not (laughs) but it's so good of what you're doing and so i kind of want to start there right you're where you are uh there's so much deconstruction and reconstruction happening so many people are leaving the church completely leaving the church. And yeah. so I just think you speak in such a profound and loving way that we're going to talk about that. But where I want to start with you is a little bit more about your story. I'm really curious what happened in your life, what event or experience flipped your lid and what measures have you had to take to get reconnected to who God says you really are? Yeah, I love that. And I think my story will fit very well into the new book I'm writing. And I always joke that I only have one message mm. uh, and I can just, I just keep writing books about it. it's the same message. It's just right. like a new book about yeah. it. And it's really simply God is love is, his love is always good. And I exist to grow sure. Right. Mm, that's good. I like it. Yeah. And uh, My only responsibility today is that I would wake up and become more convinced in his affection. Mm, Everything. Good. Everything flows from that place. Uh, yeah. And Jesus is what God looks like. So, um, but I love what you're, I, and, and I loved having you on the podcast, by the way, I just have to say this. Thank uh, you. My epiphany after, after we had you on, I told my wife, and we'd had a couple of therapists, psychotherapists and counselors over the, the two seasons that we've done. Uh, I said, you know what I love about having counselors, psychotherapists on? Uh, I, I love that their number one pursuit is wholeness. Mm-hmm. For the people they're working with, and yeah. they don't let theology get in the way. Amen. <laughs> right. so, Amen. So, if the theology doesn't serve wholeness, then mm-hmm. they're not worried about uh, you know the 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 title heretic or all that stuff. They're they're right. worried about they're focused on wholeness. That's right. So we don't get sidetracked by arguments uh, about uh, theological debates that you That's will are heady yeah. and actually change lives. You know. That's right. Anyway. That's right. So true. Uh, my my journey is when I grew up with a mom and dad who who loved each other. I grew up in a in a house uh, where they 
chased down who God was. They were pioneers. And often that meant that they um, kind of stood in the face of, of religious uh, um, thought outside of love, religious actions that, that uh, conflicted with love. And so I saw that modeled at the, mean, in the, at the same time I was raised uh, in, in, in a theological understanding of a God who looks away, a God who abandons at a cross. I was taught uh, through a particular lens of separation. And, and that can uh, affect you deeply. Uh, for me, my greatest battle was insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it chased me down. I, I used to say insecurity was a ghost. It was like a, a ghost that haunted me in my waking and in my days and in my sleeping. And, and uh, I can look now and I really believe what you believe about the nature of God determines everything about what you believe about yourself. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Actions you have around you. And for me, I believe God was good and that he loved me, but I also believed that, that, um, that a father looked away at the cross, that a father uh, abandoned a son, that uh, punishment was the nature of, yeah. of, of God instead of reconciliation or right. the theological terms, retribution instead of reconciliation. And mm-hmm. So I fought this insecurity thing. And the, the quickest version of the story is um, uh, about 15 years ago, I, uh, you know, I had a wife and, and, and a couple of kids in a business and, and uh, I was just starting to write. Uh, but, but I had this uh, foundational disappointment and foundational desperation that, uh, that was a part of every, every part of my DNA. It was, it, it influenced everything. I, I used to say that um, I wasn't a, a pessimist because if you're a religious person, that's called an unbeliever. Right, but I wasn't an optimist because uh, that was foolish as well. I was a realist. That's how I would Mm -hmm. call it. You know, if the glass was halfway, I called it halfway. Mm -hmm. Um, And about fifteen years ago, I was confronted with with the fact that God can use a drop and it's overflowing. You know, Mm -hmm. that that that, uh, realism is just socially accepted unbelief. Uh, That's great. But the way that it happened is, is to be honest, and I'll see if I can truncate this story, but I know this will fit uh, where you're at. The way that this, this happened is, is um, I heard a preacher, and I was two years into a really tough season. We were about to lose our company. Uh, it was, it was um, uh, well, 2008 it hit, so it's not quite 15 years ago. And uh, we had a construction-based company, so uh, everything was upside down. I couldn't sense God's presence. I couldn't know him. And I, I heard this preacher give this message. And essentially the message was a relationship where the son is always desperate for the father is dysfunctional. Mm. When he said it, it struck me uh, very powerfully. I knew there was something, I mean, you can hear it. You go, yeah, that makes sense. But there was something I knew was deeper for me. Mm. A couple of weeks later, I was running. I was out for a run and I was talking with God and he reminded me of <clears throat> my senior year in Bible college where I'd graduated and they gathered around my wife and I had, I was a married student and they prayed a blessing over us. And, and one of the, uh, one of the ladies there, one of the mothers of the faith prayed a blessing over us. And she, she prayed this prayer, Jason, I believe you see yourself as a spiritual dwarf, but God sees you as a spiritual giant. Mm. And, uh, I bawled. I was 22 years old, newly married. And I cried. It was embarrassing in front of the whole student body. I was just bawling, like just snot, everything big issue. It wasn't the pretty kind of crying. It was desperate kind of crime. Mm. And what it was, was I wanted it to be true in hindsight. I wanted it to be true, but I didn't believe it. Right. And so I was, so now many years later, 15 years ago, I'm out for a run and, and, and God reminds me of this. We're out for a run. I've heard that message, a relationship where, where the son is always desperate for the father's dysfunctional. And I'm contemplating through that and I'm out for a run. I'm talking to God. And all of a sudden he brings to my memory that day that I, that graduation day in front of the student body where that woman had prayed over me and God sees you as a spiritual giant, but you see yourself as a spiritual dwarf. And then God asks me a question. He says, Jason, um, he said, or he said, Jason, do you remember that day? I said, yeah. I remember that day. He said, Jason, I've been speaking spiritual giant over you every day from that day to this day. I've never changed my mind. I never will. You don't get a say in how I feel about you. And today's the day that you have to make a decision. He was being very strong with me, but in a Mm. 
way. Mm-hmm. Today, the day you decide you're either going to see yourself the way I see you, or you're going to keep living insecure and unsure. So I'm crying now. I'm out for a walk. I'm crying, but they're pretty tears now. Oh, they're, the okay. kind of, they're the kind of tears where if you see me, you're going, oh, he's having a moment. This is beautiful. Right. And, and I'm thanking God and I'm saying, Father, I, I want to see myself the way you see me. And then he asked me this question. He said, Jason, am, am I a perfect father? And I said, yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah, of course you're a perfect father. Then he said this. He said, well, then if there's dysfunction in our relationship, it's not on my end. And what he was saying to me was a relationship where the son is always desperate for the father's dysfunction. Here's the most powerful prayer I ever prayed in my life. Yeah, when I was five, I kneeled next to my mom at the coffee table. And I remember light came through into the living room and I gave Jesus my heart and it was a beautiful moment and it marked me. But I think the most powerful prayer I ever prayed in my life was 15 years ago, 14 years ago when I was, when God spoke this to me and I, and I prayed this prayer and I can say it a hundred different ways now, but it was, this was how I prayed it originally. I said, father, I will no longer interact with you based on my needs. I will interact with you based on your love. Mm. And, wow. and what I was saying is I will no longer interact with you based on my ideology, my thoughts, my paradigm, my understanding. I will interact with you based on your love. And what is that? Well, that's a measureless revelation we'll spend eternity discovering. Jesus revealed it at the cross, but there's no beginning, no end. It's the, it's the before the beginning and after the end. Love is a measureless thing. Yeah. So I, what I did was I said, Father, from this day forward, I will no, intera- no longer interact with you based on my perspective, my earthbound mm-hmm. This day forward, I'm going to lean into what does it look like to live from heaven toward earth. And what I didn't know I was doing was I was eliminating insecurity in my life. Yeah. I was making it basically what God told me that day and, and the next day is coming. He said, insecurity is an illegal activity for a son to participate in. Everything I have is yours. And, and, and from this day forward, you're going to learn how to live from and not toward. Mm. And I would say the last 15 years, that has been the unpacking. I'll spend eternity unpacking that. But right. for me, that was the flip my lid moment where, because here's what happened. And then I imagine we got lots we can talk about. Well, here's what happened in a snapshot. I realized what, what I began to do is I, practically I stopped praying my needs and I discovered right away uh, the Lord's prayers, our father. So it starts with dad. How to be your name. It's recognizing who he is. Uh, his righteousness, his goodness, his, his, you know, who the perfection of, of, of his love, his nature uh, um, on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Well, if on earth as it is in heaven comes before daily bread, you never have to pray a desperate prayer. Right. That's good. That's good. Yep. And so that was what I began to unpack in my life. And I began to find desperation and insecurity had infiltrated in my marriage. I remember the day that I, I, I you know, so I wasn't doing the desperation. And I teach it this way. If you followed me around the house and, and you saw my kids and they were following, because I had this song I used to sing, and I am desperate for you. Mm-hmm. And I had wonderful God times because God really is good at speaking in the language of our understanding. So mm-hmm. I had wonderful God times with that song in my 20s and, and early 30s. But uh, if you followed me around the house and you watched my kids follow me around and sing, and I'm desperate for you, you'd think something was wrong. I don't want mm. desperate kids. Yeah. What does it say about me if I need my kids singing about their desperation? In fact, that's the last thing I want. I want them knowing everything I have is theirs, my love, my affection, yeah. my grace. Yeah. And so yeah. I began to find desperation here and I would repent. And then I find it in my marriage. I remember calling my wife one day and repenting, called, I'm so sorry. I realized I brought yeah. insecurity into our marriage and and I've used and therefore I've manipulated and and then I found it in my relationships uh, whether it was as a pastor you know suddenly I'm I, the, the, this need thing uh, being the primary thing instead of love being the answer mm-hmm. and uh, and so anyway I've been unpacking that flip my lid moment for 15 years and I think I'll I'll be doing that for eternity. One of the most beautiful moments of your lid being flipped I've ever heard. So let me just doing this. So just thinking about the definition of insecure that, that God gave you. And because, you know, I've been a psychotherapist for a long time and it's a lot about insecurity and obviously yeah. about attachment theory, theory, right? And so either you have a secure bond or you have an insecure attachment. Yeah. And insecure means lack of connection. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but, yeah. Right. But it took me a really long time. Even as a therapist, I understand when people say, well, I'm insecure about that. It means they're disconnected from self. They're disconnected from love. They're disconnected uh, from truth, right? That's right. the insecurity, Yeah. right? And yep. so just to hear you saying like you're 
going as a as a godly man, as as the son of the father, and going through life, but that there's still a lack of connection. Yeah, yeah. But what you had seemed like enough. Yeah, you know, and I think I think God is really good at speaking to us where we're at. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think he's the best communicator on the planet, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I have a friend that I've gotten to know over the, over the last, well, I've known him for years, but gotten to know him more closely in the last couple of years, Baxter Kruger, uh, who says God will step inside any delusion and blow it up from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love that picture that, that he is able to speak to us in the language of our understanding. You know, um, when my, my, my youngest was, um, until about two years old, she was a mama's baby. I mean, she had to be where mama was. And if she wasn't, it was, we all knew it. And, and, uh, and, and there was this thing that my wife would do. She would, we at our mailbox is literally 20 feet in front of our house, but we have a door that you can't see out unless you're tall. Uh-huh. And sometimes my wife would unthinkingly, I mean, callously, unthinkingly, callously. Walk out to get the mail and close the door, and not even consider mm-hmm. the two-year-old was watching her. Right. And what would happen is, is she's off to get the mail. She's literally going to be gone forty-five seconds. But Eva has had a, in the moment, in that moment, a breakdown, an absolutely devastating breakdown. Mm-hmm. And so, what do I do as a dad? I come in and I don't. I come in and I, I hold her, pick her up. I can't even get her to look outside. She's so emotionally distraught. So I just, it's okay, honey. Mommy's coming back. Mommy. And then I lift her up to my perspective so I can get her to see if she can. Mm. And then mom, that's what a good father does. He speaks to us in the language of our maturity and the language of our understanding. He will, he he doesn't berate us for our inability to understand or our immaturity or or the fact that we're not tall enough. Oh, that's so good. That'll (laughs) preach all day. That I preach yeah. all day. I love that. That's the gospel. Yeah, that's amazing. Years and years ago, I was behind a car and it had a bumper sticker on it that said, Jesus, I like you, but I don't like your followers. Yeah. And I couldn't really understand the point because I really do love people, right? I, I yeah. love people. I couldn't really understand that. I will tell you today, I really understand that. Yeah. And so much of what you're talking about of we're not taught this idea that God is love. God is the supplier of love. Because his children keep telling us if we don't fit in an exact box, then we're not good enough to be loved by the Father. Yeah. How did we get here? How did we get to this place where our idea of Jesus and God is, I mean, because I mean, God loved us so much that he sent his son. That means that I matter. Yeah. How do we go from that moment once you say yes to Jesus to now the message is, okay, now you have to earn all the love, all the grace and mercy. How, how do we get here that there's such a contradiction of that core message? Yeah. Well, I am, and I'll say this right off the bat, I'm a relational theologian. Mm-hmm. We're all theologians. There's not one of us that isn't. It's just theology. It's just your thoughts about God. Right. But I'm right. a relational theologian, so um, I, I'll give you uh, the quickest breakdown from a relational perspective uh, and what I'm writing about in this book, Leaving and Finding Jesus, which probably should explain that title, but I'll do that in a minute. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what took place at the cross was there's one of two options, and I believe this, and, 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 and you can find some brilliant theologians to speak on it. And I've already mm-hmm. mentioned one, Bradger's ex, another, mm-hmm. uh, guys that I, I think uh, I, I greatly trust. Yeah. Um, anyway, but here's what I believe. You, you've got two perspectives on the cross. Either the father looks away and he abandons his son, which is what I was taught growing up, mm-hmm. uh, or God was in Christ reconciling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know uh, that Jesus actually tells the disciples before he goes to the cross, he says, everyone's going to leave me, but my father won't leave me. Galatians says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our brokenness uh, right. or our sins against us. Um Jesus quotes Psalm 22, and we misunderstand it in our Western abandonment, separation, dualistic thinking. Jesus Mm -hmm. says the only time, by the way, in the entirety of his life that he refers to God as God and not Father, because Jesus came to show us Father. He came to show us the context of Mm -hmm. the kingdom's family. It's relational. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm a relational theologian. Right. I like it. 
But uh, at the cross, Jesus one time says, my God, he doesn't call him father. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we grab this and we think this is, and if you've, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard the father looks away. He can't look on sin. I mean, these are just silly thoughts. Yeah. And a person who's been a dad or a mom and understands even a little bit of, of what it means to be a dad or mom knows these are silly thoughts, foolish yeah. thoughts. Yeah. untrue thoughts, but we've embraced them. Uh, but what actually is happening is Jesus is quoting Psalm 22. And this is where I'm going to put the theology cap on for a second. Psalm 22, uh, if you understand the culture of the day, when when a Jewish teacher would give you a Psalm, they didn't, they, they had it memorized. And so he, a Jewish teacher would say the first line of a Psalm, and then it would be like a song. If, if I said, all we need is love, dun, 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 everyone would sing, all we need, because we know the next yeah. line of the song. Right. Just so in culture, when, when a Jewish teacher would say the first line of a psalm, everyone understood the psalm was to be read in its entirety. And Jesus quoted Psalm 22, which was a prophetic picture, a psalm written by David, a prophetic picture of what was literally taking place right then. If you read the psalm, it starts, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Much like a, a Davidic psalm. Where are you, God? Yeah. But and it processes through and it talks about my bones are out of joint. My mouth is dry. They cast lots for my cloak. They pierce my hands and my feet. It is a prophetic picture of what's mm. taking place. If you're there and you hear him say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you're a Jewish person, you know right off the bat that you're experiencing a moment where the Psalm 22 is actually happening in front of your eyes. Wow. And here's what happens in Psalm 22. There's this moment where it literally says, and in my day of trouble, he did not turn his face from me. Ooh, that's good. He came to me in my time of need. Jesus is actually in this moment saying, I can't feel you. I believe in the garden when he sweat blood, he was, he was concerned about the physical stuff. But I think mostly what, what Jesus was wrestling with was that he had always been one with his father, always known union, mm-hmm. always known intimacy, mm-hmm. always known friendship. And he knew he was going to a cross. And in the, there would be a moment in the cross where he would not be able to experience. He would step into the, that human experience of full separation where we feel it, we sense it. Yeah. And he would step into that moment and feel it. And that was so horrifically hard for him that he was sweating. He was, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was echoing his father's words. But I believe in the garden that the distress that he was really under was he knew he was going to step into a moment where he would feel the loss and sense of great separation that all of humanity has felt. And this is what's amazing. In that moment, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Feeling the weight of distance and separation and delay, feeling like the father's looked away, feeling like he has left us. And then he's, and then he draws us to a psalm where he reveals, no, the father's still here. He's with me. And then the next thing he says, the greatest, the greatest statement of faith ever, father, he calls him dad again. <sighs> In your hands, I commit my spirit. And so I believe Here's what you asked. You asked, why are we so far away? Why are the believers of God so Mm -hmm. far away? If you believe the fathers looked away, and I said this earlier in the conversation, what we believe about the nature of God determines everything. Yeah. And you believe that God can look away, that, that God can abandon, that God can be for and against, that God does separation, that God practices these dualistic thinkings. These tributive, because if God looks away, it's worse than that. God's doing punishment. God's doing retribution. Mm -hmm. If you believe that that's the nature of God, then you'll participate in it. You're going to participate in it as a leader, as a parent, as a father, as a mother, as a a wife, Mm -hmm. as a husband, as a boss. You're going to participate in separation and dualistic thinking and for or against. And suddenly the church is known for what it's against instead of who we're for and who we love. Yeah, that's so good. That that statement right there is so good that the church is known for who we're against, what who God is against, and not that God is for us. Yes, it's that's so true. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. You're you're just preaching it. It's so good. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I've heard a lot since June that people have said, "I still love you, and I love you anyway." To me, and my response to them is, "I will never hear that from God." No, I'm sorry you hear that at all. Yeah, I will never hear it from God. And if I didn't already know Jesus, now I wouldn't, right? Now I'd walk away. And so that's part of why your podcast just fed me and just put some life back in me, the whole idea of who Jesus really is. And I'm not responsible if someone else has a different belief interpretation than one of God of punishment who now being told that I'm unlovable. Right. I, I can't buy that, but I only can't buy it because I've known 
who the father really is for too long. But yeah. I'm so concerned about the people out there who don't know him. Yeah. And never will if they continue to hear this message that God is against them. Yes. And and this is where what I'm what I'm really excited about because I'm convinced to the very core. I mean, I got I say I got all my eggs in this basket. Yeah. That love is reconciliation. That love looks like mm. a God who never leaves. Yeah. Uh, and we have scripture, by the way, that backs this up. Jesus said, neither death, nor life, neither angels, yeah. nothing, not principalities, right. powers, not this present moment or the future. Right. Nothing separates me from the love of God. David said, though I make my bed in Sheol, though I make my bed in death, though I make my bed in hell, you are with me. Mm. Nothing separates us from the love of God. And 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 because of that, I'm convinced that that there's a lot of Jesuses that we need to leave. Right. But yeah. we we can do this because he never leaves. Mm, that's so good. And and so that's yeah. the book that I'm writing is it's uh-huh. this book of what would it look like if we begin to discover the nature of God's love uh, through through a lens of reconciliation, through mm-hmm. a lens of restoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I use the Emmaus Road to do it. And I and 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 this gives me grace because I. If you know the story, and I'll just do it briefly, but this book that I'm I'm writing, I'm I'm traveling down the Emmaus Road, and and uh, uh, kind of using that as the roadmap for how I write the book. And I love this story because it's it's the day of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. There's been there's already been some encounters. There's been the empty tomb with Peter and John. They raced down there. Uh, Mary's been down there. She's actually mm-hmm. met them, and they've yeah. all come back and been talking about it. And there's excitement and fear, and you can imagine all the emotions going on. Mm-hmm. And then there's this story in Luke 24 of these two fellows walking to Emmaus, Cleopas and another guy we don't know, probably Luke, because it's his gospel. Yes. Emmaus is seven miles outside of Jerusalem, and they're walking, and they're discussing the events of the day. And Jesus shows up. And I love that he shows up hidden, because mm. it says he shows up as a stranger. Not only a stranger, but an ignorant stranger. Jesus shows up, doesn't even know who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, right. he, plays, he plays as though he's clueless to the events of the last three days as though he's, he's never even heard of himself. Yeah, mm. It's, quite, it's mm. quite comical. I always say Jesus wasn't even saved, you know, <laughs> if we're playing with the language, but, right. Right. but uh, then he walks beside them and they begin to, they're, they can't, they're like, where have you been? How have you, you know, you've been yeah. head in the sand. And then they begin to say, we thought he was the one and we thought maybe he was a prophet. And then Jesus rebukes them. doesn't tell mm. us what he teaches them, but it says he speaks to them from scripture. It would have been Old Testament and it hadn't been written yet. Yeah. And he begins to reveal himself to them while being hidden. Mm. They get to where they're going to be and uh, and they they got to go in and Jesus acts like he has somewhere to go. And there's enough going on in their hearts. They say, no, you got to come with us in the house. They get him in the house. You know the story. They're sitting around the table. He breaks the bread and it says their eyes are open and suddenly they see mm. Christ. And then he disappears. And they say this most profound thing. They say, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us on the road? Mm. And what they were saying is, we got the revelation here before we ever got it here. Yeah. Right? Revelation yeah. is when the veil's removed and you realize what was always true. Right. And, and so what they're saying is, we got the revelation of the resurrection on the, on the road in our hearts. We knew it. And now our heads have caught up with our heart. Revelation, we've got it. Now we've got it. But what mm-hmm. I, I find fascinating, Jesus is the best communicator on the planet. We've already mm-hmm. talked about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he thought the most important message that humanity will ever hear is about the resurrection. This is pretty important. And he thinks the best way to describe it, and this is way outside of Western thinking, he thinks the best way to communicate this most important revelation is to show up in a stranger's body. <laughs> Beautiful. And let their, why? Because had he shown up as Jesus, their heads would have gotten in the way. And their That's hearts right. That's so good. Through. That's so good. And so I'm convinced that Jesus is on every Emmaus road on the planet right now. He's yeah. walking beside. I'm convinced that Jesus wasn't just walking with Cleopas and Luke that day. I think he was walking with everyone that day. He was. Yeah. And here's the faith. And just to back this up, Jesus disappears as soon as they get the revelation. As soon as their mind catches up, he disappears. Why? Because he doesn't want them getting further ahead. They just started asking mm-hmm. questions. He's like, yeah. I got to get out of here or they'll screw this whole thing up. Instead, yeah. they get up and they run back to Emmaus with what do they have? The teaching of a stranger on the road and, the, and a brief moment of revelation that he's risen. Mm. Mm. They go back with that, and guess what? He shows up in the room because that's what happens All when right. you when you speak. It would have been just a great message. There's a whole lot of um, whole lot of ministries right now 
that are Emmaus Road Ministries that are all head that never actually invited him in the house and never got the revelation. You know? Yeah, that's so true. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So is this what? What are your practices to to clarity? Right. Like it's about like do you have certain like some people meditate. Like I run. I know you're you're a runner. Like, is there something ticker that you do that allows you to quiet the other voices so yeah. that you can know that Jesus is in the room? Yeah, and I've had to learn uh, how to how to share this stuff. I'm I'm less. Uh, I always joked that when I decided I'd start writing, I wrote my first book, and then I went back and read some books on how to write a book. Yeah, this is perfect way to do it. That's how I do it. I don't. Yeah, I totally get that. Or, or I just don't, I just, I got to experience it and then I can tell right. you how. Well, otherwise, then you, do, you become somebody or something else. Sure, yeah. Right. You'll emulate that, yeah. That's right. Um, for me, there's some practical things that I do, but they've changed over the years. Uh, for f- 15 years ago, when I first had that moment with God for about yeah. three years, and I still do this, but for about three years, every morning I did this. Now, uh, I, I basically said this, be- and and by the way, in that moment, we lost our business. We almost lost our house. Like mm. it was, there was a very serious mm. moment in our lives of need, but we mm-hmm. never we we never participated in the desperation. It was, uh, it was a really cool se- season. Yeah, yeah. But I would I wouldn't get out of bed. The phone was off because Bill Collectors and the lawyers were going to be on there if if, mm. if it wasn't on. And I would say, Father, I'd wake up and I'd say, Father, uh, show me who you are. With the conviction, first of all, I, I believe God is good and you can't change my mind. I, if right. the place I put my faith, that's where I put it. In fact, I would describe repenting this way. Repenting is simply saying, Father, forgive me. I had believed poorly about you and now I know better. Yeah. I, I, I had yeah. believed you weren't as good as you actually are. Yeah. And so for me, I would say, Father, show me who you are. And, yeah. and I wouldn't move from my bed. I wouldn't move till I had a real sense of his love, just a real sense mm-hmm. of his goodness, mm-hmm. a conviction. Some mornings I felt it, some mornings I didn't, but it was a conviction nonetheless. Yeah. And then the second thing I'd pray is I'd say, Father, show me how you see me today. So good. Yeah. And that was yeah. something I did in the morning before I, and I would stop. Because remember, he said, I'm a spiritual giant and I don't get a say in how he sees me. Right. You don't, God, yeah. you don't get a say in how God feels about you. And Jesus is right. defined how he feels about you. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. so I would do that. And I, and some mornings it would take me 30 seconds. Some mornings it'd take me five minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. But early in those first three years, I would do that. I would say in that first year, 35 to 50 times a day. And yeah. I would stop and I would shut out anything that was happening. Father, show me who you are. Mm-hmm. Show me how you see me. Yeah, so good. That defined those. That probably defined the journey I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, today, you know, I still have God quiet time too. I, I I read scripture. I try and do it in the morning. I just it depends on the season of life you're in. Our sure. kids are older now, so they all sleep in. So I can I can still sleep in and read the Bible in the morning. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good season. It's a good season, yeah. and uh, and now I, I do I do like to lay on the uh, on the floor. Um, I, I my wife tells me when I need to go for a run. That's she said you need to go for a run. That's her saying, honey. You're uh, you could need to clear your head a little. Yeah, but uh, so I do do physical. I'll work out, but that's mm-hmm. that's a little more just clear in the head, practical stuff. Right. Um, in the mornings or when I can find time, I take I like to take at least 10 minutes, lay on the ground. And it's the same thing, but it starts with father, show me who you are. Yeah. Re- just re- reveal to me our union. I'm re- mm. the book that I'm writing is really about our oneness and our union. Yeah. That's so good. And Jesus prayed that we would be one. That is actually the Lord's prayer. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. In 17. And so I father, show me, show me, show me who you are. And I, and I, and I, I want to experience something from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book for um, an elite athlete who talked mm-hmm. about focusing and visualization. And, uh, and so I actually took some of what, what I learned from her while writing her book. And uh, I don't apply it to become a lead athlete. I just, uh, to, to slow my breathing down and just father, just Mm. just I want to call myself and center myself in you here in this moment and uh and then show me how you see me it's the same prayer it's just a little yeah. bit different a little yeah. bit more you know. yeah but it's so practical for our listeners to hear about how to really get connected to self right like our pain comes from separation from self our pain comes from disconnection from how God sees us yeah and to know just to 
just to perseverate and meditate all day long on, yeah, you know, how you see me, yeah, you know, that we are we're at one, yeah, because there's no there's no room in that for the insecurity or the judgment. Yeah. Right. The voices will try to come, right? Because we've been so conditioned. We've been so conditioned to be told yeah. who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even to the point where somebody will try and redefine what good means. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's been a battle in my life for the last 15 years, it's been for what the word good means. Mm. So what's your definition of good? <laughs> well, Jesus on a cross reconciling the world to himself, yeah. not counting our sins against us. is that pretty is good. dang good. That's some good, that's some good news. <laughs> and uh, But there'll be someone that will come along and they'll try and use Job to redefine Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Job is Job's the question Jesus is Jesus has answered. So, right. That's right. So uh, that's right. in the world I'm in, you know, it's a whole lot more theology and i and i am i i'm sorry that you've been persecuted some i i feel it myself i think you know i i could read the hate letters i get them i get them regularly yeah can you talk about that because i I heard you share about a guy basically is telling you like taking the time to email and try to tear you apart and that your response to that was let's meet and talk yeah. And so when I heard that, I really pondered, like, how does Jason have the internal fortitude or that that's part of his calling? Because I no longer, I don't, I've been discriminated against my whole life one way or another. Like, I don't have it in me to sit with that person. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you do. So I would love for you to share that story. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, let me uh, see where I can start. Um, well, Yeah. <laughs> I got an email maybe, I don't know, a couple months ago. Um, I'd written an article. Um, I mean, we've been kicked out of church. We've been, we've, we've experienced, you know, I, here's, I'll just tell that story and then we kind of go from there. But yeah, I got an article uh, or I got an email from a friend and it started, it was pretty harsh. Um, and it started with, uh, I wouldn't even waste my breath, you know, on you. Mm. Uh, it was a really strong one. Now I, I get some of these, but normally they're from strangers. Right. Uh, and part of my personality, maybe it's because I'm a four. Yeah. If you're a stranger and you don't like me, it really, I'm not even saying this. It just doesn't affect me. I, right. I, how I'm wired. Um, yeah. How would you know? You don't know me. Right. So we're right. okay. Yeah. When I get a letter from, from someone I know, uh, we've done life together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it started with that. It, and then it went on to, you know, suggest that I was heretical and that I was leading children astray and, very sin conscious, very punishment focused. And then ultimately uh, was celebratory on the fact that I would stand before my maker and I would experience hell. I mean, it was a, it was a hate letter. I, that, that is, that is absolute hate. Yes. Yeah. It ended, it ended with uh, the blood of the children are on your hands. So <laughs> now wow. you're very powerful, Jason. I knew you were powerful. I knew you were I know, powerful. right. Did you this know that? I, I didn't know. Maybe that's why I want to do my podcast. It's that <laughs> level of power. Woo, it's amazing. <laughs> Wow. Right. That's a great perspective. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, now the fact that I met with them, I did, I sat down, I, I don't meet with everyone. Mm. I do my best to connect. I love Brene Brown's statement mm-hmm. that my wife said first before I ever heard Brene say it. So I have to give her props. Right. Years ago, she's like, you know, I think everybody's just doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we heard Brene say it. So then we were like, Hey, it must be then it's true. Then it's yeah. true. That Brene said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But, uh, no, I, I think, I think, um, when you are leaning into love, reconciliation is the only option and, and mm-hmm. justice is then always about reconciliation. And you yeah. discover that time is, you know, that the bully, the, the bully was bullied at some point, yeah. you know, yeah. there's that, that yeah. God is, God is both he's timeless. So love is there when the bully's being bullied and love is there when he's bullying and, and justice mm-hmm. has got to be for both and it's got to mm-hmm. be restorative. And so there's some of that that's just theologically and in the, along the way that we've gotten and, and grown mm-hmm. and connection mm-hmm. is a really important thing to me, but I wouldn't meet mm-hmm. with just anybody. Gotcha. This was someone, this was someone who um, my wife works with still weekly. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and we had been a year earlier had been had been um well kicked out of a church and and uh it had really been pretty impactful for my wife and my daughter yeah. who were on staff yeah and so it was it was a painful season yeah uh, I bet. And, and um and so the reason I met with them um is that uh 
we were, our lives are interwoven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I started by writing a letter. Mm-hmm. I did. I, I wrote a letter. It was very much similar to, to the conversation that we had, but I, it was a, a gracious letter of, hey, ma'am, I, I think in the podcast I said, and this is what happened, is I, I, I had to remind him I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> He'd lost my humanity. Yeah, which, that's right. Which, again, uh, very much ties in because the conversation we had was one in which we went back to the cross. Mm-hmm. And he went, when he went back to the cross, and I, I started, the conversation started with, hey, man, um, what what I grew up with is that what Adam did is more powerful than what Jesus did. Everybody was an Adam, but not everybody was in Jesus. So we started the conversation there. Um, and then we went to the cross. I said, I believe that what Jesus did is more powerful than what Adam did. He looked, he looked at the cross and said, the father looked away, punishment, retribution. Well, mm-hmm. if, you, if you follow that road long enough, eventually you can write Jason a letter and condemn him to hell. Yep. That's, that is the fruit of that road. Yeah. I understood that. And, uh, and so we went back and we disagreed on what took place at the cross. You disagree. If, if retribution is what takes, takes place at the cross, then for and against is the ultimate conclusion. Sure. There's no other, no other way forward. And, and, and it's infected and infiltrated everything. Mm. For me, um, my drive over there was Father. Because, by the way, when you, when you start praying, Father, show me how you see me, guess what the next prayer is? Father, show me how you see her. Yeah. Father, show me yeah. how you see him yeah of right. what the father yeah. i don't get a say in what the father feels about her right. or what the father feels about him yeah and as you keep going down the road of father show me who you are show me how you see me eventually mm-hmm. it's father show me who you are show me how you see me show me how you see her yeah see him yeah. oh and yeah. that'll change everything so on the way right. on the way to meet him i actually prayed the prayer that i prayed many times father show me how you see him today show me how you see him show me how you see him show me how you see him. And, uh, and that's where the grace was. Yeah. yeah. And that's the reconnection for you, the making sure that you don't disconnect from how God sees you. That's the, because yeah. a letter like that can quickly flip your lid and cause a disconnection, but you're, you have your practices to reconnect. So then you can, there's a chance of reconnecting to yeah. this man. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And, and we did leave. Uh, we, we left where he was in his right mind because yeah. he wasn't in his right mind when he wrote that. Right. That's correct. That's not who he really is. Yeah. And yeah. and by the way, I'm convinced that Jesus is walking next to him today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and revealing himself to him. And, uh, yeah. and we're yeah, all good. on this journey. So, um, but yeah, that's where the grace is. And that's a good insight for me. Cause I, again, I hindsight stuff. So yeah, I think that is right. That's probably how I do connect. That's probably how I, yeah. how I stay uh, in a healthy place emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, no, that's really good. So, you know, y'all being kicked out of a church because you're coming from a place of love and a certain perspective. Yeah. Is that part of what led into your most recent book that you're working on leaving and finding Jesus? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, so I, Prone to Love is my favorite book because yeah. it, is, it is what I've been sharing. It is that moment. Mm-hmm. That, that's that message. And it's unpacked yeah. in a way where you go, man, let me tell you who the father is. Oh, let's discover who we are. We're not prone to wander. We're prone to love. And off mm. we go. Mm. Uh, from there, I'm writing that book. I'm on staff at another church. And the pastor, I asked for his endorsement. And in that book, I had written a chapter called God's Not in Control. Uh-huh. And uh, he read the chapter, called me up. Great guy. Jason, mm-hmm. if this book comes out with that chapter, not only can you not not only can I not be your friend, like I have to, I will, I will have to distance myself from you and I'll have to tell people like, I'll have to deny this book. Mm-hmm. I said, what's the problem? He walked me through it. I went back and, and I, I, ha- I had a thought and I changed one. I changed, there was three spots where I said, God is not in control. Mm. And I changed them to God does not want to control you or God is not controlling. Didn't change any other part of the content of the book. Right. Sent it back to him. Said, Hey, I made some edits. How's this? He responded overjoyed. I can get behind this. And I went, what? Yeah. Yeah. It's baffling. That's baffling. And mm-hmm. I really, and uh, what it did was it, it birthed the next book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because here's, here's my point. Any place where a believer can practice separation is a place where I find myself like a dog on a bone going, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened where you were able to say to me, a man, you know, 
a man you trust, a man who's on your staff, a man who's not operating in some secrets. You know, I'm not saying Jason's perfect, but but you know Jason, you know his wife, you know his kids, you know right. we love you. You've been walking with us for years, right. and, and because of something I wrote that you disagree with theologically or ideologically, you can not only divorce but be against me suddenly. So that that's when I, when something like that happens, I'm a dog on a bone. Yeah. So guess what my next book book was? It wasn't planned. I just started writing into into the question, and the next mm-hmm. book was titled "God Is Not, not in, in Control." control. Yeah, <laughs> and, so, and really the similarity, and this is about you, but the similarity for what I'm experiencing because now, you know, where, you know, right when I came out on Facebook, the next phone call was someone fired me from my next speaking gig, right for a church, right, yeah. and so. So now at this point, there's not a comfort in most churches of me being on the stage, even though I love to preach about God's love. Yeah. And recently at my at a certain church, I ended the service with prayer. And so there was controversy over that because I'm no longer have the authority to yeah. pray to God because of me now realizing who I truly am. Yeah. Like that, that like I need you to do what you're doing. <laughs> yes, I said right. Yeah, I'm sorry yeah. that that is, that is. I am sorry, mm-hmm. and it's it is to me the fruit of 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 a retributive perspective on the cross yeah. that is inter is woven its way, mm-hmm. and we can talk about it. You know, yeah. I mean, there's people that are women who can't pray from a pulpit just because they're women. Right, that's still happening. True, that's still happening. There, I mean, there are churches where you you can't use instruments because of how they interpret the scripture. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. We, we've made the law bigger than love, you know. We've Jesus. made the law bigger than love. And That's we, a strong statement. Yeah. Jesus is, you know, said, you search the scriptures, you think in them is, is life, but they point to me. I'm standing in front of you and you've missed yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, I, I uh, yeah, I'm, this is, that is the thing that we're running at. That is. And, and I'm, and, and when I'm a, when I say I'm a dog on a bone I, on something like this, it's not, I'm not at war. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is me convinced. See, the, the, that book, God is Not in Control, which I'll tell you by the way. I when I went and met with my pastor friend because I'm no longer on staff, so I felt yeah. completely released to write it. And we're friends because of it. He doesn't have to. But when I went to his office, I signed a copy, and I and inside it, everything everything I wrote in this book, I learned from you. <laughs> he loves that. He's a great joker. I don't think he shows that book to anyone. But no, but I no, absolutely no. love that. That's amazing. But, That's uh, great. We're good friends and it's yeah. okay. And and you know what? He feels differently today than he did seven years ago when we oh, had that conversation. Yeah, that's really I good. think we're all on a journey. I think we're yeah. all moving towards reconciliation or retribution. And, and the older we get, mm-hmm. it becomes more and more obvious. But mm-hmm. but uh, I am running. I think you're right. I think we're running uh, at that, I, I had something where I was going, I lost it, but, but yes, that's it. Uh, my, my heart in this new book is, is, uh, is to go after, you know, what got us pushed out of the churches is, is that I suggested that, uh, we should look at heaven and hell through the lens of reconciliation and specifically mm-hmm. was asked about hell. And I said, you know, I, I think most of our thoughts on hell, particularly afterlife hell, which is, I'm not even really that interested in. Right but most everyone else's because of how we perceive the cross. But I I said, you know, I I am rethinking that because Mm. uh, I've always looked at it through the lens of retribution. It was the only only lens I've had on hell. And Mm -hmm. uh, if God doesn't do retribution, well, then I got to rethink hell, don't I? Yeah. And uh, that's what got us in trouble. And so, and so uh, a lot of what I'm leaning at, the book isn't about hell. The book is about reconciliation. Right. Back and said, yeah. what is the problem? Oh, oh, I see the problem. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. yeah, and, and I think part of why I'm so excited about your book and, and just who you are and how you and your wife stand firm on, on, on truth is, you know, trauma has to do with, with being separated from self, being separated from stability, needing someone to support you through something, needing someone to help you regulate your experience and no one being there for you. Yeah. And so that that is what's happened to a lot of people within the church, whether it's about politics, sexual orientation, gender orientation, their ideas of hell. Like there's no one there to walk them through and let them think what they think. And it becomes it becomes religious trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the deconstruction movement um, needs some moms and dads. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's a natural thing 
I don't, I think what's happening, whether you like it or not, and it's mm -hmm. happened, I believe, because of all of what you've just told me, the disparity mm -hmm. between a good God and what's taking place uh, from, from a pulpit, the, the mm -hmm. hypocrisy that is rife within our churches and the abuses, yeah. real abuses, emotional, tr tr uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, spiritual uh, abuses that are taking yeah. place, again, because uh, men who who believe men and women who believe mm -hmm. that God can look away are, 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 are justified. Uh, it's the, it's the fruit of their belief. It's yeah. the fruit of, of, of where their starting place is. It's the, it's just the evidence of, of how mm -hmm. they believe about God. So sure. sure. Um, there's, a, there's an incredible comfort with that, with the saying, sure. thinking God is punishing because so many of us have shame and have shame intertwined with trauma. And so my belief is that, okay, if I can just not do this behavior if I can just say and do this, then I fit in. All right. Then because people's fear of rejection, which started in the Garden of Eden, is so strong yeah. that if I look like you, act like you, then I get to stay with you. We want to belong. We, were we want to belong. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so if shame comes in, if you think differently, look differently, act differently, you're not a part here, then people will just be, they'll fit in. They'll do whatever they have to do to not be escorted out. Yeah. And this is where, where I'm so thankful for you. Mm. Because this is the this is is so needed that we have folks that can that understand this and that can give practical tools. At first, highlight it, help people right. see it, help people discover it. Yeah, uh, and 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 the fact that your foundation is our heavenly Father. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've, I've sent a lot of folks to you. I don't know yeah. how many actually show up, but I have. Right. Well, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I, no, I appreciate it because I I'm so thankful for you and thankful. Yeah. Uh, that we that we know because really the book I'm writing is 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 this is where the the, the story comes from. I, I, mm. I would probably get along, so I'll just tell it right. quick. But um, a year and a half ago, a, a friend called desperate, 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 desperate. Uh, within 30 seconds, uh, and this is an intense personality. This person that called, mm. driven, uh, uh, one of the most elite at what at what she does. Mm. And and uh, and has earned her way. Oh, sorry, has earned her way in, in uh, throughout life and got saved. You know, has learned that a work ethic, a discipline that that you can accomplish almost anything. Right? Mm -hmm. She's achiever. She's she's, right. a, she's an achiever. And then she gets saved twenty years ago, and she takes that same approach to mm -hmm. her. Faith. And and then twenty years later, she's on the call with me, and she's. I'm leaving Jesus, she says. Within yeah. 30 seconds, I'm leaving Jesus. Mm. I'm far enough down a road. I'm. She's a drowning woman. Just look back, Father. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking to Holy Spirit, Father. Just what's what do you got for her? What you got? She's heard every principle. She's tried and applied every principle, and she's done it better than anyone else because of her personality. Mm -hmm. So I bring up a few things along the way. Just as nope, she can shut that down. She can argue it. She is brilliant. She's mm -hmm. a lawyer making her case yeah. for Jesus. Yeah. She gets an hour and a half. She's just exhausted emotionally. And she was on the edge to even, um, I, you know, she was suicidal earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd kind of worked through some of that. I'd send her to some places, but, um, or maybe it was right after. But in this conversation, um, an hour and a half in, she came back around full circle, like a lawyer finishing up. She makes her final case. Closing arguments. Closing arguments. Comes yeah. back. I've been quiet most of the time. Anytime I have said anything, she's bit my head off with, with, you know, with, with proofs. All, all of them making, mm -hmm. making good sense. So she closing our arguments. I'm leaving Jesus, and she pauses. Now it's my moment. Mm -hmm. And then when she pauses, I say, "Yeah, I think you should." Which wasn't what she was expecting or looking for because. On her journey, she's met Jesus, the actual Jesus that loves right. her. Right, right. So she's looking for Pastor Jason to tell her something she hasn't heard, some application she can make. And I say, yeah, I think you should. I think you should leave him because the Jesus you've been telling me about for the last hour and a half is killing you. That's what I said to her. Mm. That shut her up for a second. And then mm. I said, you know what? I've already left the Jesus that you're, you've described. I, I left the Jesus that is punitive in nature. I've left the Jesus that thinks dualistically. I've left the Jesus that uses shame and condemnation, the uh, abuse uh, to, to get you to say a prayer or to make a decision that manipulates you. I've left the Jesus that, that, um, uh, that, that is, is high one day and low the next. You just don't know what mood he's in. I've left yeah. the Jesus yeah. that, you know, 
that is only available through ministries on a Sunday morning greeting team. I've left the Jesus that isn't absolutely reconciling love. And, and then for the next half an hour and ever since we've been having conversations. Uh, and I felt safe to say that because Jesus mm-hmm. never leaves. That's right. right. That's right. So that's what I'm running at. That's the uh, thing that we're yeah. both running at, that there's this mm-hmm. reconciling love of God. And, oh, and that's where I was going in, in light of what we were talking about. I started to talk about the belonging, uh, the fact that, yes. that Jesus that we know, the Jesus that I have discovered over the last 15 years, why that prayer 15, 14, 15 years ago was more pivotal than the, the one at five. And I don't want to belittle any of the mm-hmm. other. Sure, absolutely. I get it, prayers. yeah. But the one that that I I made at five, the one I made at five was a was much like a prodigal discovering that one. Well, I, I just want to I want to know the master. But uh, the one I made fifteen years ago was the one the prodigal discovered in the arms of the father. Mm. Uh, it wasn't the master anymore. It was the father. The arms of the father. Yeah, and 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 that's where belonging is. Mm-hmm. That's where you discover your belonging in the arms mm-hmm. of your father and in mm-hmm. the, the union that is the father, son, Holy Spirit, father. Yeah. And the, the feminine side, masculine, all of that—that yeah. is yeah. where our belonging is, and yeah. that's the thing we're running at. That's the bone I'm—I'm I'm a yeah. dog on. Yeah, and I, I thank God that you are, because the confidence we can have when we have a sense of belonging to God and to self, like your daily prayer. When that happens, if you go somewhere and and you know the only thing required there is to fit in, not to belong, then it doesn't fracture us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. You're amazing. I hate to say that to you, but you are. I'm publicly <laughs> acknowledging my love for you. So we're gonna um we're gonna same, throw you same here. Right. <laughs> well, I usually try to keep it on the DL, but we're saying it out right. loud today. I'm gonna throw you I saw some emotion. Yeah, no, stop it. I'm an eight. Stop it, everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna throw you in the hot seat. I'm married uh, to an eight. I know eights are the best. Fours are second best. I need her. She's she's so confident. If I need to know I'm right, I go talk to her. That's exactly. She'll let you know. She lets you know. Yeah. Yeah, and you're you're um you're more of a past thinker, right? I guess. Yeah. She's a she's a forward thinker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Maybe. Yeah. She's a and she she, yeah she's got everything, and she only needs three people. You know. (laughs) Right. Three four people. Small, small circle. Yeah. 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 Well, I look forward to meeting her. I really do. I'm going to meet her one day. What's your wife's name? I forget. Yeah. Your wife's name? My wife's name is Karen. Okay. My wife's name is Larissa. Larissa. Yeah. Meeting her. I don't Yeah. You got to meet her as well. She's phenomenal. Changed my whole life. So, from there. Yeah. I'm going to throw you in the hot seat for one second. Okay. And I'm just going to throw some questions at you real quick and we'll wrap this up. Okay. All right. Okay. So, what word comes to mind first when you hear the word vulnerability? Trust. Trust. What's your favorite movie? Oh, Interstellar. What is it? Interstellar. Have you not seen Interstellar? It sounds like a space movie. Oh, yeah. It's more than that, though. It's the meaning of life. It's meaning of life. Okay, I'm on it. You got to watch Interstellar. Okay, this weekend. Here's the one you got to get. uh, oh, yeah, I was going to say it. Oh, no, never mind. Interstellar. Okay. All right. We're on it. Okay. What is beside your nightstand? What's on your nightstand? <laughs> a, a, a clock and a little ceramic dog that was my wife's when she was five or six. And she's had it and it's on my nightstand. I don't Aww. know why it's on my nightstand, but I like it. It's a little, so sweet. A little schnauzer. That is so cute. That's awesome. That's a glass dog. What is your favorite breed of dog? She's here. Yeah. She's right here. Come on, Indy. Oh. We have a pit bull lab mix. Oh, that's good. And she's Lots beautiful. of love. Yeah. She's got a lab so. in her, which is, which is just playful and loving. And then she's smart like a pit. Yeah. Yeah. Pit bulls get such a bad rap. They're they really do. They're beautiful. They're lovers. Yeah, they were lovers. They really are. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. What surprises the only dog has ever been allowed on the bed or couch? Is your is your pit bull lab? That's the only one. That's the only one I've yeah. ever put on the oh, dog. That's yeah. sweet. That's sweet. All right. What surprises people the most about you? Um, I'm not an introvert. I'm not an I'm not an extrovert. You're not an extrovert. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I don't know that would surprise people. I don't know. That you'd have to ask them. 
All right. I'll, I'll talk to every person in your life now. Way to go. Okay. All right. How about this? How about this? What surprises Okay. What surprises you the most about you? Um, I still, I, I, I know how much he loves me and I still wrestle daily with insecurity. Yeah. Isn't that, <laughs> there's a conflict, right? Okay. Last one. I don't know if that's true, but that's a good one. This sounds good. We'll go with there. Last yeah. question. Okay. If you could change your name, pick any other name, what would you select? Ethan. Ethan. And good news. My son's name is Ethan. Oh, that's sweet. I like that. Well, Jason Clark, you are phenomenal. If our people wanted to get in touch with you, what are your Instagram handle? What, how do they find you? What's your website? Throw it out there for us. Uh, our website is afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org. And then you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. And it's at Jason Clark is my name with IS at the end. It's, I love it. I love it. Well, you have been a phenomenal guest. This has been a gift to me. I really hope our listeners enjoy it as well. So thank you, Jason, very much. Thanks. It's been a gift to me too. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right, listeners. I'm sure you heard something today that flipped your lid and allowed you to reconnect to who you really are. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today.